0: Welcome one and welcome all. It is another special Tuesday edition of the Monday Mailbag, where I, Bob McElligot, answer your questions about the Columbus Blue Jackets, or about life, whatever you want, doesn't matter. You make the choice. To me, I don't give a never mind. I can do anything you want to today. I really do feel that way. Just like the Blue Jackets are starting to feel like they can do whatever it is that they want to do. It was an up-and-down weekend for the Blue Jackets. There's no question about it. But now, all of a sudden, in three of their last four games, they've come up with victories. And they are finding that all-important confidence that we were talking about here over the course of the last couple of weeks. All of a sudden, the things that the Blue Jackets are doing are starting to come up roses And those roses are alive. They're not dead. What I mean is they had been playing well, but they were making one mistake or two mistakes a game, or they were getting one bad bounce or two bad bounces in a game, and all of a sudden, they were losing the game. So here in these last couple of games, it has been very nice for the Blue Jackets to come up with victories and find ways to get points instead of having to get away from the game and go, man, we should have had this, or we should have done this, or why didn't we do that, or why couldn't we do that? So it's been really nice over the last couple of games. And it all started last Wednesday on the night before Thanksgiving when the Chicago Blackhawks came to town and turned out to be what cures the ales for the Blue Jackets. Really, it's what it was because the Blue Jackets were, you know, spiraling. They were in an 07 and 2 skid winless in nine games, couldn't figure out a way to do much of anything right, and then the Blackhawks showed up, and so did the Blue Jackets' offense. Coincidence? I think not. Not at all. The Blackhawks are a struggling team. You can say what you want to about the Blue Jackets, where they are in their rebuild or their retool or whatever you want to call the thing, but they're ahead of Chicago. No doubt about that. They are ahead of Chicago because the Blackhawks didn't even pose a challenge for the Blue Jackets last Wednesday. So 7-3, the Blue Jackets win that game. Again, feeling good, but they have to go into New Jersey for a Friday afternoon game, knowing it's not going to be easy. Jersey team that was hungry, looking for a win, needing a win. And the Blue Jackets go in there, and they just grind out a 2-1 to victory. Grind it out. Boone Jenner got the first goal. Eric Robinson got a breakaway on a fantastic pass from the boards. Crossed the ice through the neutral zone from Justin Danforth. Robinson walks in, Scores. Broke a 1-1 tie, gave the Blue Jackets a 2-1 lead, and they never looked back. Elvis Merzlikens was fantastic. He had 38 saves. He got the win. And the Blue Jackets had put together back-to-back victories. But the challenges continue. On to Carolina for a game late late in the afternoon, Sunday. Late afternoon, early evening. That's what I'm trying to say. So that game, the first two periods, they're right with the Hurricanes. Right with them, skating with them, doing the things they do, chip it in, chip it out, chase it down, all of that for 40 minutes. And then early in the third period, the Blue Jackets get a goal. And then they get another goal. And now they're sitting on a 2-0 lead, and Carolina is, they're stunned. They're just stunned. But they don't get on their heels, they get up on their toes, And they start to skate. And boy, can they skate. And boy, can they bring the pressure. And just over the halfway mark of the period, they get a goal to make it 2-1. to And at that point, you could feel that they were going to do it again. And they did. They did it again. And they tied the game at two. And then they were able to get another goal before regulation had ended. And they won the game. 3-2 to final. A gut punch to the Blue Jackets, no doubt about that. They had just played a game on Friday where they figured out how to close it out. And here they are two days later, and they're back to not being able to close it out. And you know what? That's the way it's going to be, depending upon the caliber of team that you play. Carolina is a better team than New Jersey is. Hands down. No question. They're more experienced. Maybe that's the way I should say it. They are more experienced. They have more guys on their roster that have gone deep into the playoffs, they know how to play playoff hockey, even during the regular season, they know how to win. And that's the difference. They took that experience, they put it to use, and they won the game. And the Blue Jackets now know they've got to come home, play again the very next day, and they're going to take on one of the best teams in the league in the Boston Bruins. Now, you know, they always say the matchup on paper doesn't look good. But I have not ever seen a game played on paper. I've only seen it played on the ice. And the Blue Jackets went out last night with what I think is their most impressive victory to date. They win 5-2. to two. It really wasn't even close. And they got contributions from a lot of different people. But more importantly, they made history. As four Russian players scored in the game, led by Dmitry Voronkov. Voronkov scored the first goal with authority. Goes into the corner with the defenseman. I forget if it was McAvoy or Carlo. doesn't matter. Goes to the corner with a big defenseman, comes out of the corner with the puck, and the defenseman trailing him walks it to the net and stuffs it by Jeremy Swayman. And the Blue Jackets have a one-to-nothing lead. And then they build on the lead. Voronkov's part of it again. This time he is screening Swayman, standing in front of him. No chance for Swayman to see a shot that was taken by Ivan Provorov. Right through the legs of Voronkov, surprising the goalie. Boom, 2-0 game. And then the Blue Jackets get a goal. I think I have these in order. The next one from Chinikov. Long shift in his defensive zone, tired, but intercepts a puck and just outraces everybody to the other end and gets another goal. Now, this is after Boston had changed goaltenders. They changed after the second goal. So Chinikov gets a goal. And then the Blue Jackets get a five-on-three power play. And Kirill Marchenko gets a goal on a good feed from Boone Jenner. Four Russians scoring in the same game. And the Blue Jackets had one more goal to get in that game, and it belonged to Justin Danforth. It was an empty netter. It was not textbook. It was after a miss and the puck came off the boards and he had it at the bottom of the right wing circle. It was a, a sharp angle, but he shot it into the net. And Justin Danforth, well, he used to play in Russia. So that's worth something in this case, isn't it? Yes, I think it is. But 5-2, to two, the Blue Jackets get the win. And again, it was impressive. The Boston Bruins came into the game with 31 points. The Boston Bruins had lost their last two. They had given up seven in their previous game. They didn't play the night before like the Blue Jackets did. I mean, the deck looked to be stacked against the Blue Jackets, and they didn't play with that deck. They threw that deck out, and they got out a new deck. And boy, did they do a good job. They really did a good job. It was impressive. It was an attention-garnering win. Now, today they have the day off, and they earned it. And they've got a lot of games coming up here, starting tomorrow at home against Montreal. Ottawa comes in Friday, back to Boston on Sunday. Next week, the L.A. Kings come in, have to go out to Long Island to play the Islanders. Ruthless schedule. But that's the schedule in the National Hockey League around the holidays. Between Thanksgiving and New Year's, it is a gauntlet. And they're just getting into it right now. But man, oh man, what a great game for them last night. What a way to get a victory. The Voronkov performance was especially important, I thought, because there were a lot of rumors that he was homesick. And he was going to leave. He was going to go back to Russia. He was going to go back to the KHL, back to his old team. They were going to give him a lot of money to go back, and it was was the easiest thing for him. Again, we're talking about a kid that speaks no English, but he is surrounded by other Russians. He would not be surrounded by as many on other teams, for sure. But his performance last night, if that was going to be his last game, boy, would it have been a memorable last game, and boy, would it have been a sad last game getting a real chance to see what he can do and how he can do it. But as it turns out, he's changed his mind. He's no longer homesick. I'm sure he is homesick. Yeah, I'm sure he's homesick, no doubt about that. But after talking with his teammates, after talking with the Blue Jackets, and after talking with his family, he says he's going to stay. And that was as good of news as the Blue Jackets getting the win in my book. They need this guy. There are some guys on the roster that could disappear tomorrow, no offense, and they could be replaced. He is not one of them. His size, his strength, his awareness, his abilities, I mean, you're not going to replace that. I know Kent Johnson's been down in the American Hockey League for the last couple of weeks. I know he's been tearing it up. I know Emil Bemstrom's been tearing it up down there. He was the player of the week. I know those guys have plenty of NHL time, and they are dominating to an extent in the American Hockey League. But neither one of those guys, nor anybody else that I can think of on the Cleveland Monsters roster, replaces what you have in Dmitry Varonkov. In a league that, even though, Speed and skill are very important. So is size. Size and skill is really important because the teams that win the Stanley Cup, they have it. And to lose him out of your lineup would have been, to me, detrimental, especially right now. I think it would have been a a really tough pill to swallow, without question. But the good news is they don't have to worry about it. Not at all. So he's staying put. So all in all, it's been a good weekend, but another tough stretch is ahead of the Blue Jackets and uh, they've got to be ready to go tomorrow night. All right, if you're with me uh, live on X Spaces and you want to ask a question, just request to be a speaker and you can do that. If you've already sent your question to me, as so many have, at Bobby Mac Sports on X, then you are already teed up and you're ready to go. And one of those people is Mark Carell. And Mark says, Johnny Gaudreau seems to be closer to normal. He's noticeable and in the middle of everything. And that's uh, more noticeable in the last couple of weeks compared to the weeks prior. Is there any insight as to what was going on? Personal issues? Not understanding the new system? Mark, I think he was just in a slump. I think he was just... He was making adjustments to his system, but a player with that many games... In the National Hockey League, is not going to use that as an excuse. There were adjustments that he was making as far as the style of play goes. There were adjustments that he was making as they continually were searching for regular linemates for him. But it looks like that is taken care of with Marchenko back on the other side with him and Boone Jenner. So there's a comfort level there. Look, he has been more himself since he scored in Washington. He had only the one goal, and it was an empty net goal. And then he uh, gets, in Washington, a delayed penalty situation. He gets off the bench, and he jumps into the play, and he scores a goal. I think ever since then, and remember, there were two benchings between the empty net goal and that goal. There were two attention-getters in between that. But he scored that goal, and I think that he has been himself ever since. I don't think it's a personal issue. Again, I'm sure there were... There have been adjustments and, and tweaks to a new system, but you know, all in all, it's just uh, he was in a slump. And now he seems to be out of that slump. But he was in that slump partially, or maybe not partially, maybe a majority because he just wasn't moving his feet enough. When you watch him now, why is he noticeable? Why is he right in the middle of everything? Because he is continuing to move his feet. He's in it on every play. He's in it. So, uh, to me, that's that's the difference in Johnny Gaudreau. It's not I, – I don't think we need to take it any further than that. I, it's just sometimes it's, sometimes it's just you're not playing well, and you're stuck in a funk, and you can't get yourself out of it. And then something happens, and boom. You may not be fixed right away, but something happens, and now you feel more like yourself. And then the more you feel like yourself, the more you play like yourself, and then all of a sudden you find that you are yourself once again. Let's go live to X Spaces right now and bring Paul aboard. Hello, Paul. Welcome to the show. Hey, Bob. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. What a difference a week can make, huh? Well, at this point, it can be... uh, what a difference a period can make, what a difference a game could make, what a difference a day could make. And, yes, as you said, in this case, what a difference a week makes.
1: Well, you know, you did a smart thing delaying the mailbag one day. It would have been a much different vibe yesterday in this uh, in here. You had a similar show to last week, I might imagine. You
0: noticed that, right? You noticed how oh, smart that's... I actually am. You noticed as, the, the as... method to the madness right there.
1: As goose as goose said in Top Gun, you're a lot brighter than you look.
0: <laughs> well, thank you, Paul. I think that's very accurate.
1: <laughs> well, hey, you had mentioned uh, you'd mentioned Kent Johnson, and obviously he's doing great in uh, in the AHL, which is fantastic. You know, he's getting a lot of minutes playing the center position and uh, developing. And I've seen a lot of uh, there's a lot of debate about him. Uh, you know, through everything, and he even I saw an interview with uh, or some things from him where he has some uh, words about what he thought about being in the AHL, but it, it may, got me thinking about somebody similar, possibly similar. I don't know. <clears throat> and this is where, um, you know, a, a smaller guy that spent a lot of time in the AHL before he came up and was a significant part of the blue jackets. And that's Oliver Bjorkstrand. I don't, I wasn't familiar with the team too much back when he was uh, younger, but does it, is he kind of on the same path as Bjorkstrand? I know they were kind of two different players coming out of the draft, but you know, they're smaller guys, high offensive skill, but you know, had to spend a lot of time in the AHL before coming up and being a significant NHL guy. What's your thoughts on that?
0: Well, yeah. And Bjorkstrand, don't forget, was a a member of that team that won the Calder Cup in Cleveland, which I, I think was such a I think it was such a boost to the organization because you think about it. You had Bjorkstrand on that team. You had uh, Josh Anderson was on that team. Jonas Corposalo was on that team. Zach Wierenski came out of college and immediately joined that team. There were guys that when they got to the National Hockey League, they just simply did not know how to lose. They didn't know what losing on a regular basis was about because all they were worried about was winning. That's all they did is they won. Zach won in college, and then he moved to the pros, and he started to win again. So – that experience the overall experience for that team and those individuals uh, individuals as part of that team i think was really really important uh bjorkstrand there are some there are some similarities there i mean he did get to a point where he had to get stronger and he had to learn how to play in the national hockey league he had to learn how to not get pushed off the puck and i think what the the big thing for bjorkstrand was was the arrival of artemi panarin and the front-row seat of watching Panarin night in and night out the way that he went after the puck, how he could get into the corner and come out of there with the puck because he's not a big guy, but he's a strong guy, and he takes good angles when he goes in to get pucks, and he he's a smart player. And Oliver Bjorkstrand always admitted to being able to watch him play and watch how he does things, how important that was for him to learn how to play the game in the NHL. But, um, you know, Kent Johnson, he does have to be stronger. If you think back to when he was here at the beginning of the year, he was getting knocked around a lot, getting knocked down, getting pushed off the puck, and, and that you just, I don't care how talented you are, if they can just reach out and knock you down, you're out of the play, and they're going to take the puck, and that's it. It's over. And I know they're saying that they want to make him stronger while he's in Cleveland. I also scratch my head and wonder how they're going to be able to do that. Because John Tortorella used to always say, you don't get stronger during the season. During the season is for maintenance. You have to put on weight and muscle in the summertime. Now, that being said, and I would have to consult one of the strength guys about this, but hear me out. In the American Hockey League, you play mainly, not always, but mainly on the weekends. It is very... um, it's re- it's a regular course of action to play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then not to play until the following Friday. Now, sometimes you have a Wednesday game or a Tuesday game mixed in there, but there are many times you have longer stretches, longer stretches than you have here without having a game because everybody wants to play on the weekend. Everybody wants to have the crowds. Everybody wants the, you know what they can get, and in that league, they try to set it up that way for you. So that being said, and again, I don't know, I'm just throwing us out there. Maybe because of those stretches and the way that schedule is set up, maybe you can do something more with your weightlifting and your bodybuilding than you can do in the National Hockey League because the grind is just so much. And again, I'd have to ask somebody about that, but... I can tell you after being in that league for 10 years, you just got used to playing Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday afternoon somewhere, and that was going to be your travel. You were going to be busy as heck come the weekend, but your Mondays, Tuesdays, and most of your Wednesdays were going to be uh, down days. So, uh, yeah, Paul, that's that's a good point that you make. I mean, they're, they're similar players, and, um, you know, in, in Bjorkstrand, remember, too, when he was here, he was at the wrath of Tortorella for, oh, years. Right? I mean, even when it looked like he was breaking out of it and he finally was going to be an everyday player, all of a sudden he'd get bumped from the second line to the fourth line or he would get healthy scratched. It, he dealt with that all of the time. It seemed like he was a better player whenever you were on him in, in pressuring him all the time. So, oh,
1: 100 I yeah. 100 uh, completely agree with that and he always had the right uh, the right attitude towards it. And
0: yeah, he never complained. I know. mean, I I know he hated it, but he never said anything because he was never going to be a distraction to the team. He was he, he just tried to get better and and look where he is now. And look how it's worked out for him. So kudos to him. And I think for Kent Johnson, you know, there's that example and and there's plenty of other ones. Just I just talked to Eric Robinson about this the other day. Um because he went down to Cleveland and you know how much he had to hate that. I mean, he was, he had to be just pissed to get sent down there, right? I mean, you're in the National Hockey League for a couple of years, and now all of a sudden you find yourself back in the American League where you you think you've already done that time and it's over. And you have two choices when you go there. You You can complain and moan about it. You can pout. Now, those are all one thing. You can complain, moan, you can pout, feel sorry for yourself. That's one avenue you can take. The other one is, and you're going to do all those things. Let's be honest about it. You're going to do all of those things. But you need to do them immediately, and then you need to get over it. And you need to get into the lineup, and you need to find your game again. And the good thing about players like Eric Robinson, Kent Johnson, Emil Bemstrom, when you're here, like Eric Robinson's a, a fourth-line player in the National Hockey League. He's going to get, I don't know, eight, on a good night, eight to ten minutes maybe. It depends on the game. But in the American Hockey League, he's going to get more. He's going to get more touches. He's going to get more shifts. Same with Kent Johnson. Kent Johnson's going to play number one center in the AHL. He's not going to play that here. He's not even going to play third-line center here, for crying out loud. He's going to be on the wing. So he's getting that experience that was not going to be given to him here. So your choice is you either feel sorry for yourself or you go to work. And if you go to work and you do it the right way, then you get called back. And I've seen it both ways, Paul. I've seen guys that have gone down and they've worked. There have been guys that I was so excited when they got sent down. They were mad, but I was excited when I was in the American League because you knew you were getting a really good player and it was going to make your team better. And sometimes it didn't make your team better for one of two reasons. Number one, he came down, did his job, and did it so well, was right back up again. Or number two, came down, felt sorry for himself, pouted, got mad, and then wasn't even a good player at that level. So I, I think what Kent Johnson's doing, what Emil Bemstrom's doing, and what Eric Robinson did, I think all of that is invaluable for them personally and for this organization.
1: Oh, 100%. You know, don't look now, but they got quite a squad up there from uh, everything I can see so far this year.
0: I'd load that thing up. I, will, I There there's some guys <laughs> that are here right now that I – they think they belong here. Maybe they do, but and but uh, it, there are some guys that could still be sent there that I would think about personally. I always say I don't want to be a GM, and I don't. But anyway, but there are some good opportunities down there to go win that league. Go win that league if you can, if you have the talent to do it. But we'll see. That's that's a long ways out.
1: Absolutely, we'll see. We'll we'll talk about that come March.
0: Yes, exactly. All right, Paul, thanks.
1: You got it, Bob. Thanks.
0: If you're live with me on X Spaces and you want to join the show, as Paul just did right there, all you have to do is request to be a speaker, and I'll bring you on, and you can ask your question. Let me go back to the other questions I've gotten on X today. Uh, Lauren says, as a Florida State fan, I'm impressed by how our football team has overcome adversity and kept level-headed while opponents get too high or too low. Last year, the Blue Jackets got blown out in many games, and they struggled to be steady. With recent big wins and close losses, do you feel they're improving on consistency? Well, again, Lauren, because you asked today, the answer is yes, I do. Uh, They played three fairly consistent games over the course of the – well, they've played four. Let me make that correction. They played four fairly consistent games, and the only one they got a little inconsistent on is the one they lost. So, yes, they are starting to come together. You know, we've sat here the last week or two and talked about they're close. or They think they're close. I mean, last week, last week they had lost nine in a row, right? So everybody was on the panic button. Like, you couldn't hit the panic button any harder than all of you were. And, and, and I was, you know, let's be honest. I mean, but you did see it coming. And I told you last week, I said, you can see good things. You just haven't seen the results of the good things. And now this week, we're seeing some of the results of the good things. So, yes, I think the consistency, it's far from perfect, but it's trending in the right direction. Dave says, uh, what do you think about the whole Chinikov situation? Kind of flew under the radar due to the Voronkov situation. Is there still a chance he stays or is he for sure gone? He is my favorite player. All right, what Dave is referring to, and I, I had not heard anything about this until earlier today I was scrolling through social media and I saw this link to a dispatch article, and the article says that uh, Yegor Chinikov, according to his agent, not according to him, according to his agent, is upset he doesn't feel that he's being given a fair chance, he doesn't think he's been used he's being used properly and that he what well, the way it's written is that he's ready to request a trade or he had or he has or he's going to I don't know whatever. Anyway, like when I saw this, I was like, what is this? I I have heard nothing of this. Like the Voronkov thing, yeah, I heard about that. But what is this? So I made a call and the person I talked to said that they weren't ready to jump on board with this and make it a thing or or think that it is a thing, I should say. And uh you know, I here's my thing with it. I, I'm just going to I'm just gonna lay this out there, okay? And I'm not gonna sit here and say like I'm just master journalist or anything like that, because I'm not. And I'm not, I don't even consider myself part of the media. I consider myself part of the team. But listen, if this is really a thing, here's the problem that I have with it. Last night, Chinikov was available for post-game comments, okay? And he was asked about the Voronkov situation. And he was asked, did you ever think about leaving. Like, did you ever get homesick? Did you ever think about leaving? And he said, yeah, I did. But I want to play in this league. And so I didn't leave. I fought through it. Nowhere was it asked in that availability when you could have asked him whatever you want to. Nowhere was it asked if this situation is real. Okay. Now, I don't know if the information came out during the game or before the post game interviews or after but if it if somebody had knowledge of it before why wasn't he just asked to his face before anything else happens why don't you just ask and be done with it okay that that's my only thing i look i hadn't heard about it i don't i'm not i don't I don't even see how he could feel that way, quite frankly, and this isn't a run Chinikoff off the tracks here when he first came back, the first game he played he was really good, and then he was just okay or unnoticeable for a couple of games last night he has a good play, he gets a goal great, but like to say even if it's true that you think that you haven't been given a chance or haven't been utilized properly, explain to me who should be taken out of the top six to put him in the top six right now, today, as we talk. Because I can't think of a guy. If you're telling me that your wingers in your top six are Goudreau, Marchenko, and then they made the switch last night, so Texier and Line. Okay, tell me who comes out of that for him to go up there. The only guy, the only guy, well, you might disagree. The only guy to me is Texier, okay? Because you want to keep line A with Fantilli because of the potential it has there. But Texier played with them in the preseason, and there, there's chemistry there too. We haven't seen it yet, but but it just got changed during the game last night. But we did see the chemistry between Chinikov and Voronkov, So, you know, things changed during that game. Everybody had a great game. There was chemistry there with that line. And, again, my only thing is if if the information was known before the post-game interviews, why wasn't he asked? You should have been asked. Like, put this thing to bed right now. Like, is this is is this something you want to have out there for a couple of days or do you want to get the answer to it that that's it that that's my opinion on it that's the way I see it but as far as the as far as the question itself I again I hadn't heard anything about it but I stand by what I said has he played well enough that he should bump one of those other guys out and if you say to me, well, you know, Linea got scratched and Gaudreau got benched and, yeah, okay, whatever. Gaudreau's not getting benched now. He's playing better. And Marchenko's playing great. And I just told you that other combination, they want to give that a chance. And the Sillinger-Varankov and Chikov combination last night produced. And it looks like something could come out of that. And the other line, you're not going to touch because Robinson, Corrali, and Danforth have played so well together. So if you can tell me where he should be moved or how he should get a bigger role or if he's played well enough to deserve a bigger role, I'd love to hear it. I'd love him to push those guys. I'd love him to get hot right now and push the heck out of those guys. That'd be fine with me. But we're talking about right now. We're talking about today. And today... I just don't see it, not today. Goizan says any additional info on what's going on with Daniil Tarasov. I think I heard from the broadcast crew yesterday that he is back on a week-to-week timeline. No, I, I don't know. He was he was traveling with us. He was skating, uh, but I just I I don't see him. I barely ever see the guy, so I'm not I'm not sure where it is on him and where he stands and what's going on there, but. And again, to me, I don't mean this mean because I love Daniel Tarasov. I do; he's a great kid, and he's a really good goaltender when he's healthy. But I, I don't, so I don't mean this as an affront to him. But until he's healthy and he can play in this league, I'm not worried about him. Nor do I need to be, based on the play of the other two guys. And by the way, let me go on a tangent here before I go back to X spaces. Spencer Martin. Do not overlook what he did in that game last night. I know the four Russians scored, and it's the first time ever in NHL history and all that stuff that I already talked about. I get it. That's important. I get it. But Spencer Martin was so solid during that game last night. I love that performance. To me, that's my favorite Spencer Martin performance as a Blue Jacket to date. And I'll tell you why. It started 23 seconds in. The Blue Jackets turned over the puck in their own end. There's a guy standing in the slot. And Spencer stops that shot. That shot very easily could have gone into the net from where it was being taken from, high danger area, as you analytics people like to talk about. That could have gone in the net. And if it does, Boston's up one to nothing. 23 seconds in. They're feeling good because they had given up 7 to the Rangers their last time out, so they're like, ooh, okay, here we go. Now we're back to being us. And if you're the Blue Jackets who just blew a lead the day before, then your confidence drops. Spencer Martin made that save. That was probably his most important save of the game. Looking at the game in hindsight, that was probably the biggest one that he had. But I really liked his rebound control yesterday because it was much better than it has been in the past two or three outings where the rebounds weren't getting so far away from him that they were creating numerous chances after the initial shot. I thought he did a great job with that. He ate up a lot of pucks with no rebounds. The rebounds that he did give up, I felt, were closer to his body so that he could react and get back to it. I really, really liked his game last night. And uh, it was, obviously, it was instrumental to winning because it is every night with a goaltender. But uh, he was, I, as I said, I think that's the best game he's played as a Blue Jacket so far. Rinketic is next up on the show, live on X-Spaces.
2: Hello, Bob. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm all right. It's getting late here. But I wanted to ask, like, uh, Kent Johnson, now when he got, like, moved on to Cleveland, he has been used as a center. And do you reckon, like, when, if and when we bring him up up again, will he be a center or a winger again? That's a really good question. Uh, Sorry. Yeah, no, I... I, Uh, uh I'm sorry. No, because like for example, if we take Liner for example, like we already saw like last season we tried a bit with him as a center, it did not work. And we tried we tried that again this season and it did not work. So do you reckon like we should try something different with Kent? Uh,
0: I think I'm I'm tempted to say no, put him back on the wing, quite frankly. Um, but I don't know. I mean, if he plays it really well there in the American hockey league, if they feel that he is getting stronger, if they feel that he is uh, controlling the puck better, then they could try that. But then you come back to that age old question of who gets moved out of the middle. Now, Sillinger has played both wing and center, so you could do that with him. Uh, you mentioned line A has played some center. I think that's over. Of course, every time I think it's over, it happens again. So, but I think it's over. Um, Jenner, of course, can play the wing, but he's usually good on face-offs. The last couple of games has been, uh, you know, the, the last couple of losses specifically has been more of a challenge. Um, but, but he could, and even if Kent plays center, he doesn't have to take the face-off. He could play on the line with somebody else that could come in and take the face-off, but I, am not sure. I'm not sure how to answer that because I haven't been watching him play down there and, and seeing how he is, uh, adapting to it, but. It's possible, but it may also depend upon you know what's going on here and how the guys that are here are playing. You know whether you know even if he comes up, that it'll decide whether he comes up or not. But uh, when and if he does, how are the guys that are here playing in the middle? Is it worth going ahead and, and trying that and seeing if it's going to work here? I don't I don't know how to answer it because I I just I haven't watched him play enough down there to to say hey, you know what, he looks like he's ready to handle this at the NHL level. I can tell you this, if he could play center, it would make this club a lot better. There's no doubt about that. So does that help you out? Yeah,
2: thank you so much. What time is it there? Uh, Soon, 8. 8 o'clock? Yeah, Sweden time.
0: Well, thanks for hanging with me. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, we'll talk to you later. Uh, On X Spaces. If you're there, if you want to talk, all you have to do, request to be a speaker, and I'll bring you up, and you can speak to me. I don't know if that's a blessing or a curse. You can decide. Let's let Troy decide right now. Hello, Troy.
3: How's it going, Bob? Good. I just wanted to say that a picture I saw of the fifth line, loves you, Dimitri, sign that he got was awesome. I thought that was sweet.
0: It was sweet, and I, I laughed because... The kid does smile. He really does. I, I don't know if he's smiling in any picture I've seen of him, but I have seen him smile. And uh, <laughs> and I know it meant something to him. I'm just thinking, as you say that, if you were to just look at the picture, somebody that doesn't know him could look at him and go, oh, this guy looks really happy about this. But <laughs> but believe me, he is. So uh, that's a good point.
3: And, yeah, I was uh, obviously thrilled with their performance yesterday for such a good team. And it always, like... I always think back to the win versus the Rangers as well and now throw this Boston Bruins team in there. The Blue Jackets and the Devils, are they're competing and winning with what I believe to be real playoff contending teams when they're on their game. And I think last week when I uh, came to speak, I was complaining about there not being enough pressure at the blue line and everyone sitting too compact in front of the net And these last few games, as we've seen, there's a lot more pressure at the blue line. They're creating turnovers and bad decisions to be made at the blue line. And they're creating a lot more odd man rushes. So,
0: Well, that um, that got addressed yesterday. I mean, prior to the game, when, when Pascal Vincent talked to us yesterday morning, he talked about the fact that he admitted that they were with the lead. They were packing it in too much. And we, we all talked about that last week, about that being one of the problems, right? Yes. And he admitted that, that they were they were doing it too much. And he wanted them to continue to play their game. Because I asked him specifically, I said, how do you get the players to take that risk? And he said, Bob, I don't see it as a risk. I just see it as playing your game, not getting ultra conservative and in, in backing up and taking away from the game that you've been playing. I, I just see it as continuing to play your game. But... To your point, I think the playing your game, they extended a little bit more toward that blue line, especially last night. So, um, so yeah, he, he did admit that they were playing a little bit too much prevent defense, if you will.
3: Yes, and another thing I wanted to ask you is the team seems to be finally getting some chemistry and looking really good, and I've seen things online. I don't know how true this stuff is, but apparently the Oilers scouts have been – all in Montreal looking at their goalies. And apparently yesterday they were taking a look at Spencer Martin. Are you hearing these things? Are there any merit to these claims? What are your thoughts?
0: Well, here here are my thoughts. Whenever Tarasov does get healthy, you're not going to keep three goalies. And – you're not going to put Terrace off through waivers because, look, as much as he's been injured and you can get frustrated, and there's good reason for that. But when healthy, a tall, athletic goaltender is, um, I don't know if you, you don't want to give that guy up. You're not going, You're not going to give him up for free. And with Spencer Martin now, if he's created value for himself, you don't want to give him away for free either. So the Oilers are a team that's looking for a goaltender. No doubt about that. They're in, a, they're in a mess. They had to send Jack Campbell down to the American Hockey League making $5 million a year. Um, so, I, I mean, sure, there could be something to that. But that's just, when Tarasov's healthy, you are going to have too many and you're going to have to make a move. And I know I just praised Spencer Martin a couple of minutes ago and what a fantastic job that he did. But look, as it stands right now at this moment, Spencer Martin's going to be a backup goaltender in the National Hockey League, uh, especially here. I mean, you know, with the way that Elvis is playing and with Elvis's contract, he's going to be the guy. Then you've got Tarasov there who should theoretically push him for his job. There's You're just going to get – somebody's going to get squeezed out, and that's somebody, in my opinion, it's going to be Spencer Martin. Unless – unless somebody wanted to take a flyer on Tarasov, like if you if you felt that he's just been hurt too much and we could trade him, but I don't know what kind of value you would get for him because he, of the lack of games that he's had. So, um, yeah, I, where there's smoke, there's fire, I'm sure.
3: And the final thing that I wanted to bring up, as you were talking before about the Cleveland Monsters and loading up and trying to win it all, I do agree with you. And with that being said, when Jack Rosovic comes back from this injury, who's the most likely to get sent back down, in your opinion, out of the waiver-exempt players, that is?
0: Out of the waiver-exempt players, which is that's the key, right? Because Cole Sillinger is no longer waiver-exempt. So mm-hmm. he's not going. Um. So, well, so who's on that list? Chinikov's on the list, right? I believe so. Yeah. Marchenko's going nowhere. Archenko's an oh. NHL player, hands down. That's over. He's never going back. Um, you know, if it's a forward, I, Chinikov, I guess, unless he really steps his game up, and he's and he's playing really well. Because again, you're going to have a surplus. But again, there but there's so many, like, two guys could get hurt between now and then too. So it's we can speculate, and I know you said, you know, if everything is as it is right now, but it, it usually never is.
3: Oh yeah, I agree, and uh, thank you for having me on. And it's awesome to have one of these shows after a win.
0: Yes, yeah, it is. But you know what? Could you imagine last year if I said we're only going to do the show after a win, we would have done like two shows. Would <laughs> yeah, not have been that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's why last year's gone. Finally, thank goodness. You know, and hey, thanks, Troy. I appreciate it. Um, remember last week, I was sitting here and I said that part of the the uh, the toughest part for me about a nine-game losing streak or winless streak was that it, it felt like last year never ended and last year rolled into this year. And, and that was true. And and I hated feeling like that. And I don't feel like that this week because now there is some hope, right? You can see the hope. And you can see – what you can see is you can see the young players driving this, quite honestly. You can see the young players starting to to take charge a little bit here. And starting to do things. And that's a good thing. And that's not a knock on the older players. If you're going to win in this league and you're going to have young talent, that young talent has to start to take a hold of things. And I think we're seeing that a little bit. Now, the only problem with the young talent is that they are the the, uh, the highs and lows usually swing a little bit more violently than they do with the older players because of the lack of experience. I like what I see here so far. Marcus says, can you provide an explanation why Severson is a scratch when he is expected to miss six weeks? Is management waiting for Tarasov to take that roster spot and carry three goalies until a further move is necessary? That's very possible. It's very possible. I mean, you don't have to put him on the IR. You can just leave him like he is right now, what they're doing, if you're not going to bring anybody else in. And they have extra forwards and they have extra defense so there's there's no need, but that's a you know that scenario makes sense if you if you do that if you keep three goalies, you have three goalies for a while uh yeah, Kevin was asking a question about uh, maybe something brewing with Edmonton on the trade front, so it could be I mean you know sometimes <laughs> here's what you have to remember about scouts, and I know in this case it's a number of scouts at a game but sometimes scouts show up at your game because it's convenient because maybe they were already in the neighborhood maybe you're one of the few games going on on that night maybe you're the one game going on in their territory that night um sometimes guys i laugh sometimes because uh, i talk to scouts and i'll be like uh, especially if there's buzz like on social media buzz about what scouts are at this game and stuff like that. And I'll go, what are you doing here? Who are you looking at? Which one of our guys you want? And guys will be like, what are you talking about? Cleveland played this afternoon and I knew I could get down here for the game tonight. I just had a chance to see two games of one day, but so, so it's not always, yes, sometimes you definitely can look into it and you can read into it, uh, especially if the general manager shows up, but, (laughs) but other times, I'm telling you, you overthink it because it's they're they're just there because it's convenient. Lester, welcome to today's Monday Mailbag on a Tuesday. How are you? Doing
4: pretty good. Uh, I think I can identify with what the players feel because I definitely get homesick anytime I'm at work too. <laughs> Great point. <laughs> but anyway, um, I wanted to talk about a couple of things. Uh, um, the the moment that I would take with me from last night's game was when Voronkov overpowered Charlie McAvoy and left him in a heap on the ice. And uh, at that point, I knew we were going to win that game because Boston kind of pretended to have a response to it, but they really didn't. They didn't know what to do with that. And the funny thing is, 10 days ago, they would have had a response. Its name was Milan Lucic. But since he got in trouble and he's off the team and he's probably out of the league for good, possibly – They've suddenly lost four out of five and looked bad doing it. In other words, they've kind of lost their bullying and they've kind of lost their swagger a little bit in my estimation, and uh, I wonder what things are going to be like for them as the season progresses, well, especially with a roster like that that's kind of aging.
0: Right, and, and not only did they lose the things that you talked about, but that is a major, major distraction for a team, what happened there, right? Because now right. everybody gets forced to talk about something that they Probably don't know much about, and they don't want to talk about it all. So you kind of, everybody gets drug into it, and it becomes a a huge distraction, which uh, you put that in addition to the things that you talked about, and maybe we shouldn't be so surprised that they're in a bit of a tailspin right now.
4: Yeah, I felt this season that a couple of problems have lingered. At times, we haven't been good in the face-off circle. And we've had issues in the last couple of years where Boone Jenner went down. And when he went down, the guys who were like second and third in line taking face-offs, like Corrali and Roslovic had to move up one and go against better guys in the circle on the other teams. And we've really kind of gotten exposed so, I mean, the the two things I kind of worry about a lot are, are puck possession time, getting to loose pucks, and winning faceoffs. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll tie this together. I like Eric Robinson's game in the sense that, I mean, I, I know what he is. I've watched him the last three or four years, and, and he is what he is. But we've got three guys on our team very adept at getting to loose pucks. He, Dan Forth, and Texier. And Texier's been kind of sluggish the last two days. I think it's a carryover from his illness but I think having him out there to get to loose pucks has definitely helped. And one of the things that hurt us on Sunday was the fact that they constantly had the puck, especially in the third period. And it was because at one point they took 16 to 21 faceoff draws, and we just could not get the puck, and we couldn't get set up in our offense at all. So um, I would love to see us go out still and go find somebody in trade that can win faceoffs on a consistent basis and help this team
0: out. Oh, I agree with you. I mean, and that face-off problem is the only time it goes away is when Jenner and Corrali are hot, and they are frequently. But but you're right. It's It's been a problem for a long time, and, you know, they mix in. Danforth jumps in there at times now. Fantilli's learning how to take face-offs in the NHL, and, you know, there is a technique to it. There's there's a way to do it, and he doesn't quite know it yet. Voronkov, they try to put him in there, and he gets thrown out before he even gets set up. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, they need to that, – that's certainly an area they need to work on, and I understand what you're saying. Yeah, if you could – if you uh, if you find somebody on the market that can play that position and is good at that job, you certainly should take a look at it.
4: I'll have a recommendation here in a second. Danforth took seven of eight draws last night, and if he had just won one more draw this year, he'd be right at 50%. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, – so, you know what? Yeah.
0: He's – he. everything about his game is so under the radar, isn't it?
4: Oh yes, oh yes. I, the three injuries that did us in last year were Voracek, Worenski, and Danforth, and they all went down in about a three-week period. And when that happened, I just knew that season was going to blow up. Yeah. I, I just, I was, I was speechless. Another thing about Robinson, I want to say real quick. I'm not advocating he should be in the lineup every night. What I would like to see is when we play faster teams, he would draw in. When we play teams with a heavier game, he would come out, and Olivier would go in. Yeah, I, I, I think like you, I think
0: you'll see that, quite honestly. Yeah. I do.
4: Yeah. But one thing we should remember about him, if he plays in 10 games or if he's on the roster for 30 days, he has to pass back through waivers in order to be sent to Cleveland.
0: That's correct. That's correct. You're right about that. Yeah. But I, Yeah, you know, he, he made it through the first time, and I'm not saying that means he makes it every time, but I, I don't know if it's uh, – I don't know how much you worry about it. You got to remember, well, the later it gets into season two, the the lesser prorated contract is. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But I agree with you on the him playing against speedy teams and uh, Olivier. And I feel bad for Matthew Olivier because, you know, Texier comes back from his illness. Now, it's very easy, and you had a good point when you said he looks uh, sluggish the last couple of games. I agree, he does. And maybe it's fair to say, eh, maybe you should have given him another couple of days to get over that illness until he was... Closer to 100% because he doesn't seem to be. But I feel bad for Matthew Olivier because I thought that he was, I mean, he was laying it all out there uh, before he got taken out of the lineup. He doesn't get taken out of the lineup because he's not sacrificing the body and blocking shots and all that stuff. He gets taken out because they're playing faster teams and Texas is a better skater. So um, I do feel bad for him, but I I could see that type of a rotation for sure.
4: Anyway, last thing. I combed some of the other teams rosters and looked at numbers and looked at contracts. And I came up with a couple of guys that I think that maybe they should think about looking at and trade. Okay. And one of them is playing tomorrow night. So I want you to take a good look at him. It's Sean Monahan. He's in the last year of a deal that pays him one point nine five million. He's got thirteen points this year, six, seven, thirteen. I do not think he's a point of game guy like he was five years ago, but I think he could put up fifty in a season. Um, he's 58% in the face off circle. So I do like that very much. He'd be a nice guy to have around. I just hope that Montreal isn't looking for an overpay, just like they tried to do last year with Josh Anderson when they wanted, they wanted ridiculous, like a first, a third and a player. Right now, they'd love to be rid of Josh Anderson. He's 21 games in. His line is 0-2-2. The fans are really on him up there, and his playing time is decreasing. I'll be looking forward to watching him tomorrow night and trying to evaluate his game. So I think Monaghan would be worth a look. I don't think there would be an overpay because, like I said, he's on an expiring contract, and he has played with Johnny Gaudreau before.
0: Yeah, all of those things are true. So, all right, we'll watch him tomorrow night and And see, see how he fares. Who else?
4: One other guy, uh, Thomas Hurdle in San Jose, 30 years old, 6'3", and 215. He's 58% in the circle. He's still got six years at 8.1 left on his contract. That would take him up to age 37. But he's got 16 – going into last night's game, he had 16 points, and they had 34 goals, which means he was responsible or had a hand in almost half their scoring. I think he could still be a -a point-a-game guy easily. Uh, i don't know how much they would want for him but the thing is the longer the guy sits out there and then other teams start to get interested it turns into a bidding war and the price goes up but i would think that San jose obviously they're in a rebuild that's going to take a few years would be more interested in picks and prospects for him than guys that are already on your roster and if you took him in at eight million a year you'd have to find some way to fit him under your salary cap but i think he'd be an interesting player to have
0: yeah yeah that's uh, yeah the number is, is' pretty darn high though right yeah. So yeah, it all makes sense, but maybe the maybe the, the the cash crunch doesn't work on that one. But as usual, you've done your homework and you've brought good options to the table, Lester. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Always good to have you on. Um, going to be winding it down here in the next couple of minutes. So if you are on X Spaces and you want to make a comment, request to be a speaker, Zach has sent me. Uh, a message saying, thoughts on the power play. I feel like they need to switch the type of power play that they are running. Got to move way more horizontal than we are to get that goalie moving. Um, I I think they're trying everything that they possibly can do with the power play. Uh, they've changed personnel repeatedly. They've uh, changed the positions that the guys are playing on the ice. So I think that, uh, yeah, you do have to get the goalie moving. That's the whole Key to the power play, no doubt. But um, it's not like they're not talking about it and practicing it. I can tell you that, Zach, because they are. Ryan, welcome to a special Tuesday edition of the Monday Mailbag. How are you? I'm good, Bob. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you.
1: Hey, I have a question about your radio industry more than uh, about the Blue Jackets themselves. I I live in Denver now, and uh, I happen to catch a game on the radio, which I hardly ever do, and I noticed they have uh, two commentators. And I was curious who makes that decision and why would you want to in hockey when it's so fast? It felt a little, uh, garbled and they kept talking over each other. Just, it just didn't feel right.
0: Well, I think it's always, I think when you have the opportunity, um, you know, getting the perspective from the former players is good. They're going to tell you things that, that I can't tell you just because of a different, you know, because they played, you know, um, it is but you gotta have you have to have the right combination of people too. Uh, you should never talk over one another. That's uh, and, and that happens a lot, quite honestly. So um, you know, it's uh, just gotta train your color analyst the, the right way if you're play by play guy. I say that and I'm 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 kind of kidding and I'm and I'm kind of not kidding. And I'll give you an example for this. Um, Jean Luc Grandpierre doesn't do a lot of uh, color analysis during the game. He does, you know, the desk. He does the pregame, postgame intermissions on TV. But during the preseason, he'll do some games with me. And when I work with Jean-Luc, and I know he doesn't do that very often, I I try to make it comfortable for him or any ex-player because even though they played the game and they know how to watch the game, sometimes they just don't know, when can I talk? Because sometimes the, the puck doesn't have to be frozen by the goalie for you to talk. Sometimes there's just you know, turnovers back and forth in the neutral zone. When you know how to watch the game, you know when a team is coming up the ice, if there's a, a real chance that they might be able to score a goal or, now nah, they're not going to score a goal on this. This is there, There's a line change. They're going to dump it in. This, the other team's going to get it, bring it back the other way. They're going to dump it and change. So there's there's some time there. So I always try to make those guys feel comfortable. Like, I'll set them up with a question, which is basically my way of saying, you see what's going on on the ice in this situation. It's okay to come on in and talk, make a comment, say something to me, and let's talk. But the minute that there's a real scoring chance, you got to shut up because that's that's my job on that one. So, um, yeah, it's it's just my team. I mean, we obviously we don't have one, and that's because I feel it's all important that I, it's all the focus is on me. And I no, I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. Um, but you know, like Jody Shelley when he started. He worked with me before he went over to the TV side. Uh, he still comes over when uh, there are national TV games and works with me. So it's just uh, the team preference. And, you know, like for me, you want me to work with somebody? That's great. will be great. You want me to work by myself? That's great. We'll do that too. It's um, it, it really doesn't matter to me because I've done it both ways so many times or for so long, I should say. But, uh, yeah, that's the key to it. I, I You have to have a good combination. You have to have – two guys that work together well. And and sometimes it's almost like line combinations. Sometimes you get with a person that you like and you know, they're a good talker and you think this is going to work. And then you go, no, this really doesn't work the way I (laughs) thought, the way I thought it was going to work, or it's going to take some more work for this to to get better. So um, yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a team by team uh, decision and how they want to use the personnel. And, um, but it's, uh, it's, it's fun. It's, it's fun either way quite honestly. I like working with players and all the different sports that I've done. Um, I like working with former players, especially ones that don't have a lot of experience. It's good to work with the guys that have experience because those are easy. I mean, they just know what to do and you just settle in and you just do the game. Um, But when you work with ones that don't have a lot of experience, I really enjoy helping them to get better at what they're doing. I, I, I really like that because I feel like, you know, they've played the game and They've been down there and some of them making millions of dollars. And now all of a sudden they're in an unfamiliar role. They know not what the heck to do at all. And, you know, they've seen you around and riding the bus and being on a plane and you're just always kind of hanging around there. What does this guy do? Well, now I finally get a chance to show you what I do, why it's important and what you need to do to get better at it. I really, really enjoy that. I, I enjoy the, the, um, the teaching part of it too.
1: Gotcha. Uh, just curious when you first came to the organization, did they ask you if you wanted a color commentator or was it always just going to be
0: you? When I first came, I was the color commentator. Oh, that's right. I totally forgot about yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. It's been <laughs> it's a long so time weird. now. It's been 11 <laughs> years now. Can you believe it? Um, yeah, because, well, time. I mean, when I came here, my first four years I worked with George Matthews and I was right. the color analyst, which was, you know, weird in its own way, but weird, but fun. And, um, you know it, it it wasn't the the same kind of uh color analyst role that a an ex player has because i had other things to do i handled intermissions and pregame and all that stuff but uh but it was a different perspective and it was actually helpful and working with george was awesome and you know when you talk about a a teacher i mean here was me coming from the american hockey league and from 12 years of minor league hockey and you know, if you think you know it all, well, just take a seat in the big leagues and find out that you don't know it all. So it was great to be with him and have him help me to figure out what I didn't know. And, and he's a good friend. Still to this day, he's a good friend. So, um, no, they didn't ask me. They said, George is retiring and it's your show. Congratulations. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sometimes it's not a bad deal. No,
0: it's not a bad deal. It's a great deal, quite frankly. So, uh, but thanks. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate right. you asking thanks, about Bob. that. All right. So... Good. I got to touch on something else for a moment there. I do do enjoy that. What do I have here? Before I go, I want to make sure I try to get everything in. Oh, Dave is commenting on the power play. Dave says, it's been a bit better the the past few games, but still frustrating. And you mentioned it on the Inside Edge last week. Why does it seem like this team doesn't like to shoot the puck? I think they like to shoot the puck. They just what, There's too many of them that like to, uh, that want to shoot it and have it be perfect instead of just shooting it and somebody get a rebound and get an ugly goal. Too many people want to score pretty goals. And to be honest with you, I think that is, uh, I think that's around the, the league, quite honestly. I do. I, I I just think it's today's game. I you know you turn on highlights and you see all these fantastic goals and you very seldom see the uh, the Boone Jenner goals where he's picking up pucks off the goalie's pad and jamming them back in there. I mean you see them, but they're not. They don't get. What gets more play on social media, tic tac toe goal or the dirty goal in the crease? Everybody knows. I mean, what kid goes out on the ice and says, you know, I want—I can't wait to score five goals from right in the crease today? Hey, they all count. They're all the same. They just don't look as nice. So everybody wants to be a highlight uh, real player, and that's the nature of the beast. It's like that in every sport now, right? Baseball's got launch angles. You know, they're all trying to hit home runs. You know, football. You barely run the ball anymore. You run it, you run the ball just so you can set up passes in today's NFL, especially, right? Uh, NBA, NBA is the NBA. Draining threes, the threes, they, uh, you know, they make the highlights. So, nature of the beast, I think. Well, thank you for being a part of this today. I enjoyed this. I really did. I am so thankful. I put this off one day. (laughs) I am so happy. And it wasn't look, it's not like I'm the smartest guy in the room, but I am. Kidding. It's just yesterday being a game day, it was just it was going to be too much. I because I did it on a game day earlier this year, and I just felt like we lost something. Because I like here I can relax, I can take my time on a game day. There's other stuff I have to do. And even if I have it done, I, I just I, I feel like I'm pressured and I'm pushed and I don't like that because I can't just relax and talk to you the way I am right now. So that's why I decided to push it from yesterday to today, and it was a great decision. So thanks for showing up uh, a day late. You're not a dollar short. Or a day late, not a dollar short. But uh, thanks for being here today. Great to have you on. Great to get your feedback, uh, as always. And tomorrow we're going to play another game. Actually, it's going to be a busy week because tomorrow the Montreal Canadiens are here. Boone Jenner bobblehead night, by the way. If you haven't gotten your tickets, go to BlueJackets.com. And uh, that's a game that's at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. Then on Thursday, the Inside Edge that we normally do on Wednesdays, because we have a Wednesday game, we're going to bump it to Thursday. And that will air at 8 o'clock on the flagship station of the Blue Jackets radio network, 97.1 The Fan. And Jody Shelley and I are trying to get, this isn't confirmed yet, so if this doesn't happen and it changes, don't yell at me because I'm telling you, this is tentative. We're trying to get defenseman Ivan Provorov, who got a big goal last night for the Blue Jackets, trying to get him on the show on Thursday. Okay, so there you go. You can mark that down. And then Friday, back at home to round out a three-game homestand, the Ottawa Senators will be here. The return of Jonas Corposalo to Nationwide Arena. That's a Friday night game at 7 o'clock, and then the Blue Jackets head up to Boston for a game on Sunday. So, as the saying goes, no rest for the weary. That's why I'm going to go try to get at least 25 minutes of rest right now so that I can be ready to go back to work tomorrow. So that's a program schedule for you. Uh, Don't forget. Don't forget. And if you do forget, all you have to do is go to BlueJackets.com. All the information is right there at your fingertips. Once again, thanks for being a part of a special Tuesday edition of the Monday Mailbag. Tomorrow, Montreal is in town. 7 o'clock game, 6.30 pregame coverage. Until then, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.